Hi, everyone, and welcome to Murder and Merlot. We are a true crime book club podcast. I'm your host, Tara. And I'm your host, Michelle. How's it going, Michelle? It's good. I'm home. Life Finally. is good. <laughs> You're out yeah. of the city. Yes. So happy that I don't have to hear sirens every two minutes. Yeah. No kidding. One day in the city is enough to drive me crazy. So yeah. over a week, that's too much for me. <laughs> yeah, I was 10 days. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're back. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and um, I'm happy that my kids are back in their own rooms and not sleeping in my bed and life is good. That's fantastic. It's good to be there. I was happy I could be there, but it's also always good to come home. Always good to come home. Yeah. Yes. And you? Um, well, speaking of being home, uh, outside of my home, a woodpecker is making its home. So if you hear any random knocking during this episode, it's likely not a murderer at your door or a demon in the closet. It's probably right. a woodpecker, but I mean, it wouldn't hurt to check just in case. Right. Probably best to be safe. Yeah. And that <laughs> is apparently the only update I have in my life. So that's thrilling. <laughs> So exciting. I know. <laughs> well, there's no, no weather updates. Well, okay. actually, it was a storm that came through like an hour ago, and I was like, oh, got to update the people. We got to tell them about the weather. But it seems to be clear now, so I think we're okay. That's excellent. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> so um, we had some good feedback from last episode. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> Well, my, my one girlfriend, she texted me today and she's like, I'm dying laughing because of you shaming everybody. Mm -hmm. So, and apparently our shaming worked because we got a lot of responses. Our shaming worked really well. And yeah, you know, I, I have found this as a manager at work as well. I call it the blizzard tax. And when mm, people mess up, yeah. I shame them and make them buy me a blizzard and it works really I've, well. I've seen this in action and it, it does work well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just to note that I also accept poutine or ketchup chips or pretty much any mm. any snack any chips yeah really pretty much any chips i can be bribed with so just in the future everybody can yeah. keep that in mind you okay. are free to bribe me with chocolate and cookies perfect <laughs> yeah and i mean all of the other stuff that tara said too. <laughs> <laughs> just food because <laughs> i like snack food yes so shaming works uh, guys shaming works it does it does it works really well um Probably my favorite feedback from last week's episode was um, Jody on Instagram, <laughs> and it was to the pictures that you posted, which mm -hmm. were terrifying. Thank you. I know. And she wrote, those photos are keeping me up. I didn't even swipe to look at them. I just glimpsed them on Facebook hours ago, and I'm still awake at 1.30 in the morning cringing about them. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Jody, I am so sorry. <laughs> I truly am. But just to let you know, karma got me as well because I freaked myself out over the Wendigos. Like seriously, it's been messing with my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could have lived my whole life without seeing those pictures. I know. They're terrible. But I had to do the research and look at all of them. So I just, I had to share what I was looking at with the rest of you. But the other night, it was about 11 o'clock. I realized, oh, we never fed Hank. It's really late, but, you know, got to call him, got to get him up to feed him. And I go to my front door, and right as I was about to open the door, my brain just went, hey, what if there's a Wendigo just standing right outside your door? 
like literally. (laughs) And then I was so scared. (laughs) Like, why didn't my brain do that to me? It was so mean. And I was, I was terrified. I just like opened the door, threw some food on the deck and shut the door. I'm sorry, Hank. (laughs) So you fed the Wendigo. It's cool. (laughs) It's fine. If dog food will keep it at bay, then good. (laughs) From what we learned, it was human flesh that they like. Damn. Yeah. Well, Mm. sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, it's, it's really affected my brain. (laughs) Yes. So sorry, Jody. (laughs) Yeah. I feel your pain. Yep. I deserve it. On Facebook, I did say that Bestie was not going to let us down. He would get, he was going to have a good response. And he said the manticore. He said, just so many different creatures put together, you never know what's coming at you, which was very, very true. Had to Google that. I yeah. wasn't really up to date on my manit. Was it? Manticore? Manticore. <laughs> I wasn't really up to date <laughs> on my manticore knowledge. So had to look into it a little bit. Like, yes. Uh, it's a very interesting combination of things. <laughs> yes. And then there was like a whole like conversation about the movie Onward that has a manticore in it, oh. which is Disney's newest one. And it's adorable. So... My tiny humans love it. Mm-hmm. And Casey posted a, a gif of a unicorn, which really you can't go wrong with a unicorn. Yeah. And Melanie said fairies. Mm-hmm. And then Jody also said, <laughs> definitely not the Wendigo, uh, but maybe fairies. And then she later added vampires to the equation as well. So <laughs> I did a throw in there that I hope they weren't the vampires of the sparkling variety. So yeah, those don't count. No, those aren't real vampires. Yeah, if those are your favorite, then you can get out. Get out of that <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee you that those are not books that we will be covering. I promise. If that happens, um, I don't know. We've been replaced. We've been kidnapped. And right. there is somebody impersonating it's us. It's a cry for help. Yes, <laughs> exactly. All right. Grab your glass and get cozy. Let's talk about murder. Tink. That looks What do you do? Ah, it's not. It's water. I'm out of all good things delicious in my house. So that's okay. Hydrating is better than nothing, I guess. Yes, I hear you're supposed to do that sometimes. Yes. Yes. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the beautiful Moscato that my friend gifted to me that I posted it on our Instagram yesterday. Oh, it looked lovely. It looked it delicious. Is. Yes, it sure is. So I recently spent 10 days in my old hood. And as I was listening to the sirens racing down Wayne Gretzky Drive, I thought, why not do an Edmonton story? And what better than Mark Twitchell, the Dexter killer? Twitchell is a sad excuse for a human being, and he took the life of an incredible man. And thanks to his victim's street sense, he was able to prevent these horrible events from happening to anyone else. So you know this story. Yes, I'm excited for this one. Total scumbag asshat. He's a bad person. He's just a waste of, like, human skin. Mm -hmm. You know what pisses me off? If you Google his name, Mark Twitchell, the title that pops up is filmmaker or something like i know and it's just I'm like, like no no dude you are a murderer yeah a murderer. you're not a filmmaker you're a murderer exactly oh uh, it mm. i've looked him up a few times just looking into the story and every time i'm just like really still still that's that's the title still. you're gonna give him right the other thing that drives me crazy is that they call him the dexter killer but mm-hmm. i'll talk about that later i know <laughs> 
Yes. Bugs me. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. So John Brian Altinger, mostly known as Johnny, was born in April of 1970 at the Royal Alexandria Hospital in Edmonton, Alberta. I was born there too. Fun fact. His older brother had told their mother, Elfried Altinger, that he wanted a baby Johnny. So that's how John got his name. Johnny was a kind and smart boy who showed an exceptional talent for computers. He got his first computer, a Commodore 64, when he was 12 years old. He was often helping his older brother Gary with essays and assignments for school on his computer. As he grew up, he became a fixture in a computer savvy group in the Vancouver area. And he met a lot of friends in the online community, knowing many of them for years before ever meeting them in person. To the online community, he was known by the alias Ultra Magnus, which was a character from Transformers, but his close friends knew him as Johnny. He moved back to Edmonton and had been back here for about 10 years. He owned a little bachelor pad. He worked at Argus Machine, an oil field equipment manufacturer, just south of Edmonton, where he worked the night shift. He was tall with wispy hair and glasses. He had a warm grin and gentle eyes, and friends described him as quiet, affectionate, and giving. He was a motorcycle guy. He owned two bikes, a Honda 500cc and a Yamaha 1200cc sport touring bike. He took extreme care of his bikes, even going so far as to have a friend babysit his touring bike if he was going to be away and always keeping it covered when not in use. Being a single guy in the city who was comfortable online, he started looking for companionship on sites such as plentyoffish.com and lavalife.com. Oh, I've been on Plenty of Fish. It's not messy. So happy I've never had to online date. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, (laughs) the friend made that account for me and it was not serious at all, but it was honestly terrifying. And so much garbage. Mm -hmm. So, so much. 10 out of 10 would not recommend. No, definitely not. So Johnny told his friend Dale Smith that he had met a woman named Jen and he was going to meet her on Friday, October 10th, 2008, before the Thanksgiving weekend. He confirmed his plans to take Dale on a motorcycle driving lesson on Sunday, October 12th. They discussed the details of the meetup. Johnny was smart and knew his friends worried, so he always told them where he was going and who he was meeting. This meeting, however, sounded strange to Dale. The instructions were to meet behind the back of a garage. Dale insisted that Johnny call him when he got there and to give him the address before he went in. When Johnny called to check in, he said the woman wasn't there, just some guy who introduced himself as a filmmaker and showed him some props for films. Johnny thought maybe he got the meeting time wrong. Johnny sent Dale an email later that same night stating that he was going back to the garage to meet the woman. The message said, she is home now, I'm heading over again, he he. After he received the email, Dale said he tried calling him multiple times that night and over the weekend, but received no reply, and Johnny never turned up for the Sunday driving lesson. On Monday, Dale Smith, along with other friends and family, including Johnny's mother and employer, received an email that read, I've met an extraordinary woman who has offered to take me on a nice, long, tropical vacation. We will be staying in her winter home in Costa Rica. Phone numbers to follow soon. I won't be in town until December 10th, but will be checking my email periodically. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's what happens. Right? After one date. Yeah, totally normal. No red flags here. Yeah, Yeah, none. Not at all. So this in itself was weird, but there are other signs that things were amiss. Johnny always ended his emails with a joke or something he found funny. He did not like warm places, and if he was going away, he would have asked someone to store his bike. Mm 
When no response was received back from Johnny when his friends and family reached out to him, they contacted the police. They were told that unfortunately, unless there was more evidence of foul play, they couldn't really do anything. So, friends of Johnny's, Dale Smith included, went to his apartment, broke in, and found his kitchen still had dirty dishes in it, his suitcase was still there, and they found his passport. Most disturbing to his friends, though, was his treasured bike was left uncovered. They contacted EPS again, and an investigation was opened. I mean, great friends. No kidding. Right? Like, just shows that he was a good guy. I know. Like, such a good guy, and his friends cared about him so much. Mm -hmm. If I ever go missing, break into my house, Tara. I will. If I go missing and there's dirty dishes in my sink, that is 100% normal, and that's just... I was going to say, I won't be concerned. (laughs) Yeah. I would actually be concerned if there was clean dishes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Things to keep in mind. (laughs) Right. Um, Edmonton Police Homicide Detective Bill Clark led the investigation. They started by trying to track down Johnny's car, since they said, it's easier to find a car than a person. Which, isn't that the most awful thing to think about? (laughs) Yeah, it gives you, ugh, just a... It doesn't make you feel good. I know, I was like, ugh, I don't like that. Yeah, it it shouldn't be that way, but I guess it makes sense. Yep. The airport parking lot was searched, because if he had indeed gone to Costa Rica, his car might have been there. But, of course, nothing was found there. Next, they decided to investigate the address that Johnny had sent to his friends the day of his date. Police went to the address, and it was just a garage. It was registered to a man named Mark Twitchell, a 29-year-old married father and aspiring filmmaker. He denied any knowledge of Johnny Altinger, but was more than happy to show them the garage. He told police he had rented the garage to use as a set for a movie he was making. Twitchell, who had graduated from the radio and TV program at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, or NATE, the college that both Tara and I attended. Yep, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Making our school look bad. Uh, Look at our alumni. (laughs) Right? At least there's two good alumni. Alumni? Yeah. Alumni? Yeah. (laughs) Just us. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. Um, He had directed a few films, one being a fan film for the Star Wars franchise called Star Wars Secrets of the Rebellion. He had gained a small following for this, but none of his films ever had been released. When police arrived at the garage, Twitchell mentioned that the lock had been damaged since he finished filming. This led police to assume that someone else had been in the garage. They pried the lock off and entered the garage. Immediately, they noticed blood on the wall. Twitchell laughed and explained it was from his latest film, House of Cards, which is in no way connected to rapist Kevin Spacey's Netflix show. Yeah, I didn't think it was, but... (laughs) No, but way to have an original idea, Twitchell. No kidding. Cool. Star Wars and then House of Cards. Real creative. (laughs) You're the best. (laughs) Um, But he said that he must have just missed a spot when he was cleaning up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Detective Bill Clark's spidey senses were tingling, and he felt like something was off, and they brought Twitchell in for questioning. Twitchell was calm and relaxed while at the station. He mostly just bragged about his films and how much money he had invested in them. He talked a lot about his most recent film, House of Cards, which was about a hockey mask-wearing murderer who lured men into a garage and killed them. 
The police questioned him about the similarities of Johnny Altinger's disappearance to his script, but Mark was confident in his answers, and they had no real reason to hold him. He then took the police back to the garage, cooperating with the police well. While there, he mentioned that he recently bought a new red car. Detectives couldn't dismiss that they were currently looking for Johnny Altinger's red Mazda, and the fact that he mentioned his purchase of his new car was strange. Police then took him back to the station and questioned him about the new car. Twitchell tells his crazy story about a random guy who approached him and asked if he wanted to buy a car. Apparently, this guy had a rich lady in his life, and she was going to buy him a new one. Twitchell said, why not? And purchased the car for $40. This fucking guy. (laughs) This fucking guy. You think you're so smart. But you are one dumb. Who buys a damn car for $40? Also, you know, they say when you're telling a lie not to go into excruciating detail because nobody asked for all that detail. Right. And they wouldn't even known about the car had he not brought it up. I know. It's almost like a little game like, ooh, I'm just going to mention that. and Right? Yeah. Maybe he's just a dumbass. Definitely. Anyway, <laughs> definitely a dumbass for sure. The car was now parked at a friend's house. Twitchell is now the prime suspect, and police detain his car. Not the new red car, but his old car, for forensic analysis. Upon examination, they discover a laptop with a deleted file called SK Confessions. It's assumed that SK stands for serial killer. Not Saskatchewan? No. (laughs) Saskatchewan Confessions. Uh, I (laughs) left the gate open to my neighbor's pasture and all his cows got out, but I didn't tell him. (laughs) But it's okay. He can see him across the province. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Saskatchewan people. We we do really like you. Except you have way more ticks there and that's not okay. But other than that, you're fine. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely the worst. Anyways, so (laughs) this document tells the story of two men being lured to a garage, one gets murdered, and one gets away. At this point in the investigation, it's unsure whether or not this is true or if it's just a crazy filmmaker screenplay. Upon talking to his wife, police learned that their relationship wasn't much of a relationship at all. He was lying to her about having a job. He did not. He was unfaithful and scamming his friends for money for movie investments. He wasn't even sleeping at home most nights. I don't even think they really liked each other, honestly. Sound like it. <laughs> His ex-wife, yeah, this douchebag got married twice. I was just surprised that he had one wife, but wow. Okay. Twice. Yeah, mm-hmm. two of them. Ex-wife told police that Twitchell had a hard time determining the line between fact and fiction. Police learned that Twitchell is obsessed with Dexter, the TV show about a serial killer, Dexter Morgan, who is a Miami police blood splatter analyst with a double life. He hunted down and kills murderers who escape from the justice system. Twitchell's obsession with him even weaved onto the internet with him creating online personas of Dexter Morgan, and it appeared like Twitchell wanted to be Dexter. Forensic tests came back from Twitchell's car. Blood had been found, and it matched Johnny Altinger. So side note, if he wanted to be Dexter, he would know how to clean up a crime scene. Because if you've actually watched Dexter, yeah, like... Come on. You're, you're failing badly, man. And Dexter you, kills bad people. You killed a yeah. fucking person, you asshole. Right? You're a monster. You're a terrible person, and you don't deserve the Dexter killer name. No. I'm sorry. 
No, you not are not. So on Halloween morning, and I love this part, while he's putting the finishing touches on his Halloween costume at his parents' house, the police were waiting outside and had an undercover agent lure him out to discuss a film investment. Three blocks from his parents' house, police popped up and arrested him. And apparently, at the time of his arrest, Twitchell peed his pants. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, best ever. Oh, uh, that's great. Three weeks after Johnny Altinger's disappearance, Mark Twitchell is charged with first-degree murder. The SK Confessions was a diary and not a screenplay. While putting together all the pieces of the Twitchell puzzle, they started looking for the person who got away. In SK Confessions, the killer was wearing a hockey mask, and in Twitchell's garage, a hockey mask was found. So police held a press conference, showed the mask, and asked the first victim to come forward. Edmonton police didn't know if anyone would, but it was worth a shot. One month after Johnny Altinger went missing, a man named Giles Tetrell walked into an Edmonton police station and told his story. Okay, being attacked by somebody while they're wearing a hockey mask is... That sounds straight up Jason, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, not original. On October 3rd, 2008, at 7.15 p.m., he was supposed to be meeting a woman named Sheena that he had met on plentyoffish.com at her garage. He entered the garage as per the meetup instructions. Once inside, he was tapped on the arm, put in a bear hug, and prodded with what he later learned was a stun gun. Tetrell said he was bewildered and thought someone was playing a joke on him, but then turned and saw that it was a man in a hockey mask. He quickly realized this was not a date, but something far more sinister, and he knew he had to escape. He grabbed the glowing blue stun gun his attacker was prodding into his chest and moved it to the side. He then tried to run for the door, but was cut off by his attacker, who had pulled a gun on him and ordered him to the floor with his hands behind his back. His eyes were then covered with duct tape. He then became scared that the man was going to rape him, and he started fighting again. He ripped the tape off of his eyes, turned to his attacker and said, I can't go down like this. The man yelled at him and pulled out the gun again. Giles grabbed the gun, only to discover that it was a plastic movie prop. They grappled, and the attacker started punching him and trying to headbutt him. After missing landing a kick to the groin, Giles was able to get to the garage door. He slipped out of his coat and rolled out and under. He fell once outside, and the masked man had come out and began dragging him back to the garage by his legs. When the attacker had stopped and set his legs down to readjust, Giles got up and started running. He saw a couple walking their dog, and he ran to them asking for help. But they seemed stunned after the masked man had run out after him and then started acting like the two were friends. The couple wound up walking away, but their presence made the masked man retreat to his garage. Giles ran to his truck and drove home, shaken and exhausted. When asked why he didn't report the attack right away, Giles said that he had been embarrassed. God, that's such a, I don't know, disturbing scene. And just, as we both lived in Edmonton, like, I'm sure it's probably pretty vivid for you too, but I just think about all the times that I had to walk from the, you know, transit station to my home down a dark back alley. My parents hated it, but I was like, well, what are you going to do? Right? So Giles' account of what happened to him was almost word for word what was written in the SK confession document. Detective Clark was able to determine that Johnny had been lured to the garage the same way Giles had been, and that Twitchell had learned from his mistakes with the first encounter and changed up his attack by ditching the stun gun 
and instead hitting Johnny in the head with a pipe. The pipe was found in the garage with Johnny's blood and hair on it. Twitchell then stabbed him and dismembered the body on a makeshift autopsy table in the garage that was originally thought to be a part of the House of Cards set. When forensics got done with the garage, it practically glowed with luminol. There had been blood everywhere. Also found at the scene was a small piece of Johnny Altinger's tooth. More pieces of the story came to light through SK Confessions. After the murder, Twitchell broke into Johnny's apartment and sent the emails to his friends and family. The document said that he had tried to burn the body in a barrel, but it didn't work. Police found a burned barrel in Twitchell's garage and the outline of a barrel burnt into his parents' lawn. And then he drove around with the body in his car, trying to find a place to dump the remains. The final entry in SK Confessions was that the body was dumped in a sewer. Well, the part that gets me mm-hmm. is that he couldn't even try to burn the body at his own house. I know. Even at his parents', parents house. house. Like, his poor parents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that he wrote down every single detail of everything. Like, every single step. He's like, like look what I did. Well done. Dumbass. <laughs> Detective Clark was determined to find the body so Johnny's family could have some closure. He even drove around with Twitchell in his car, asking him where Johnny was. But Twitchell never gave up the location. In fact, he never said anything. The police spent weeks searching in sewers and under manhole covers in a large radius around the garage. Clark was so dedicated to this that on his days off, he could be found checking sewers with his flashlight in hopes of finding Johnny. Detective Clark was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. During his trial, Twitchell admitted to killing Altinger, but he said it was in self-defense after Johnny attacked him first. He also admitted to writing the SK Confessions document. He said it was fiction based on fact. And he also said that SK stood for Stephen King, not serial killer. Right. <laughs> Again, original. Yeah. Now, was, was Stephen King the killer, or are you ghostwriting for Stephen King, or... Right. There's so many options here. Yeah. Did you confess this to Stephen King? Yeah. I want to know. Hey, Stephen King, <laughs> here's a book for you to write. Right? Because, you know, Stephen King can't come up with his own ideas. He's never written an original idea. No, right. no. No, it's yeah. all people like Mark Twitchell that provides him with their brilliance. Yeah. Brilliant ideas. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. The jury deliberated for only five hours before finding him guilty of murder in the first degree. He also had an attempted murder charge for the attack on Giles Tetrell but it was stayed in the court of the Queen's Bench of Alberta on June 17, 2011. This means that the Crown prosecutors could resurrect the charge within one year. The charge was eventually dropped so that the families did not have to sit through a second trial, and the prosecution had more than enough to get a maximum sentence. Twitchell received exactly that. He was given life in prison with no eligibility for parole for 25 years, and he's currently serving out his sentence in a Saskatchewan prison. So he can start the Saskatchewan Confessions. Maybe. <laughs> My time in Saskatchewan prison. <laughs> Day one, I got beat up. I'm a loser. <laughs> yep, and you deserved it. And you deserved it. Two years after his arrest, 
Twitchell reached out to the Edmonton Police Service, stating that he had information for them. Detective Clark, being hopeful that he is finally going to reveal where he left the body, agrees to listen to what he has to say. Twitchell says he will talk if they meet his three conditions. Conditions were the police were not to ask any questions, the media could not be present, and Bill Clark could not be present, which Bill apparently loved because he knew that he had gotten to him. Mm -hmm. The Edmonton police complied, and Twitchell gave them a map with a marked location. Johnny Altinger's decomposing, dismembered body was found at the location just one block away from Twitchell's parents' house and half a block from where police had stopped their search. Oh, Isn't that so sad? Yeah. What area of town was this? Do you know? Um, I think it was closer to St. Albert's. Okay. Yeah. Most articles said it was just Edmonton, but I did read one that said it was St. Albert. So Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Detective Clark told Johnny's mom that he believed that by sending his friends the address, Johnny likely had saved the lives of others, and he viewed him as a hero. So that's my story. Yeah. (laughs) Johnny just seems like such a nice person with nice friends and family, and it's fantastic that that very likely resulted in saving the lives of others because I know it's so clear that Mark Twitchell was just determined to kill just kill people like he just because he could just because he could he was not dexter he was not killing bad people he was just luring no. anybody he possibly could so yeah thank you Johnny, for, for that thank, <laughs> thank you johnny and thank you detective clark for working so hard to find him yes absolutely. i love that and for breaking mark twitchell like yeah on you because yeah. apparently on his car rides he was just like badgering him he would just be like tell me where the body is. You can write your movie afterwards. Like, tell me where it is. You'll like, you know, yeah. you can write your story from prison, like whatever. Right. But he, he got to him. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, my references for this were the red handed podcast, Edmonton journal, um, www.tetrel.com, which is, um, Giles Tetrel's website. Cause he actually went on to write a book. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, cbsnews.com. Murderpedia.com, Wikipedia.com, CBC.ca, and IMDb.com. Because, you know, he's a filmmaker. Because he has an IMDb. Oh, my he God. Has an, it does say on there, he's like, was arrested for murder. <laughs> These never got released. I sure <laughs> fucking hope so. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, good person. I, you can clearly tell how I feel about that man. <laughs> I know. Like, he's just a disgrace, and he's just an idiot. Like, do you remember that being in the news when it was going on? It was between 2008 and 2011? Yeah, I had – I moved here in 2007. Right. So it was kind of off my radar. Like, I moved out out of my parents' house, and I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm never watching the news again because it's depressing. And so I I kind of missed it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I kind of missed it too, but I was between grade eight and grade 11. So, you know, I was so busy. <laughs> Just Way to make me feel old again. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Just imagine me as a person during that time. I was an idiot. Yeah. So, yeah. I did not care about what was happening in the world. <laughs> no, no. And that was me. I was like, I'm a free single lady. I'm living by myself. I'm never turning on the news because, yeah. you know, 
you know, murderers and stuff. Right? <laughs> you don't need that. <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, the, the first time I think I heard about it was actually on Dark Poutine. I listened to it. I was like, the Dexter Killer mm. from Edmonton? Like, who's this guy? Yeah. I probably was, uh, heard about it from just my random Google searches, like just once in a while. Mm-hmm. I'll just be like, Alberta murders, Edmonton murders, top 10 serial killers. Where are serial killers ever? <laughs> Highest body right? counts, like terrible things. So that's where I definitely yeah. heard of them first. Was just, just searching, just searching random shit. <laughs> yeah. I think he, he appealed his, his sentence, but it got denied. Like he's never getting out. Oh, God. Hopefully he doesn't, because we're talking some real shit here. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just saying. This is why we've said, like, we haven't said where we live. <laughs> yes, exactly. And there are some stories that we could absolutely cover, but they're just too close to home. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Tara, I think I'm ready for some fluff and stuff. How about you? Absolutely. So today's question is because last week you said, I say every week, that's my biggest fear. So my question for you is, what is your most irrational fear? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I think most of my fears are pretty rational. It's yes, mostly about right? being stalked or potentially murdered. So Right. You know, you with know. the occasional puck wedgie in there. Right. Or, or Wendigo. Just, you or know. skinwalkers. Those also. <laughs> Not cool. Uh, <laughs> irrational fear. Uh, I really don't like monkeys. Really? (laughs) They freak me out. (laughs) Like, all monkeys or like gorillas or? Most monkeys. Most monkeys. There are some really like tiny cute ones that I'm okay with. But the majority of monkeys, they are creepy and evil and mischievous. And the big ones can rip your face off. And I'm not here for it. Is it because they're like humanoid and like they yeah. have opposable thumbs? Humanoid. Anything that's humanoid <laughs> that's not an actual person, that is that is a fear of mine. I've told you about my humanoid fears before. Yeah. 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 Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yes. I ooh, they they creep me out, even though it's not really a fear that I really need to have. Like I'm not very susceptible to monkeys in this area, but <laughs> shouldn't be. Shouldn't like, be. But unless something horrific happens at the Calgary Zoo and they'll charge to where we live, then <laughs> then I'll lock myself down in the house. Right? I'm afraid walk into the forest and give yourself to the puckwudgies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just take me. <laughs> take me now. Take me away from the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'd say that's probably my irrational fear. I can't think of any other fear that's, I don't know, that I don't consider that unrational. <laughs> that's cool. I have a few. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I think I know one. I do know one. I know you know one. I, I know you know one. absolutely know one. I am deathly afraid of centipedes. There's pictures of me like on top of Tara's desk at work because there was a centipede on the floor and I couldn't walk past it because I might die. Well, yeah. So I went onto her desk and started to hyperventilate and couldn't breathe and people took pictures and it was not very nice of them. So can I ask, what do you think they're going to do to you? (laughs) I can't even explain it. So when I was a kid, like I know where it comes from. When I was a kid, they used to be in my sandbox. So like we take the lid off of our sandbox and like they'd be like cruising around in the damp sand. And I have an older brother who's an asshole. 
who uh, yeah would, like collect them and torture me with them so he would chase me around with them yeah they also get into my parents basement and uh my brother used to live in the basement so he would just be an asshole and he would collect them like he would find them on the floor and then he would like put them in water bottles and stuff like and plant them around so i would find them like uh thanks dude classic and big brother classic like such an asshole i love him to pieces but oh, yeah, yeah no Not like good. literally in the last 10 days i <laughs> was going to the bathroom in my parents' basement, because there's a bathroom down there, not because I was just doing it on the floor. <laughs> and I like looked down and there's a friggin' centipede on the floor. And I was like, had to finish what I was doing. And I went upstairs and I like, they make me not be able to breathe. Like the first time I saw one in front of my husband, he was like, what the hell is happening? Like he had to like pick me up and take me outside. And he's like, breathe. Like, this is not okay. Damn. <laughs> I very calmly, because I didn't want to wake my kids up because they were sleeping. I very calmly went upstairs and looked at my dad and I was like, you need to help me? And he's like, where is it? <laughs> I was like, bathroom. <laughs> and he just, he didn't even make fun of me, my sweet dad. I mean, the next day he did, but he was just like, you just stay here and breathe, kid. <laughs> I got this. He's like, yeah. traumatized. It's okay. You I'll take care of you. Need oxygen. You're yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. And then, um, again, because of my brother, I am terrified of bridges. 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 I'm fine with heights. Like, I like flying. I like, you know, whatever. Bridges. Because when, again, when I was a kid, my brother was an asshole. <laughs> and we went to the Calgary Zoo. And there used to be a, sus a suspension bridge at the Calgary Zoo. Yep. Right? And so my brother was on one end. My cousin was on the other. And I was in the middle. And they jumped on it. I was like three, right? And three or four, very impressionable. They jumped on it and they're like, it's going to break, Michelle. It's going to break because they're mean. And that's what I hear in my head every time I get on a bridge. And I have to tell myself, it's not going to break. Yeah. Like we have walking bridges in our town. I walk everywhere. Yeah. And there's ones that I'm like, it's not going to break. It's not going to break. It's not going to break. Wow. Like ridiculous. That's fascinating. I didn't know yeah. that one. What about birds? What are your feelings about birds? <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> I know. And that one, I don't know where that one comes from. Um, I love animals. I actually love birds outside. Mm -hmm. I think they're beautiful. You get a bird in a building and I'm like out. Like, yeah. see ya. I'm gone. Something gone like just like this isn't right <laughs> they make me panic the other two i can be like yes i know exactly where those come from yes but this one i i don't but we get a lot of wildlife that comes into the into the clinic and somebody brought an owl in that they'd yes. hit or had been hit or whatever and they'd somebody had just like put it in a cardboard box and like the wildlife rehab place was gonna come get it and it was okay and you know it was all, all good put it in just a cardboard box in our lab and the damn thing got out. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm like coming out of an exam room and I look up and there's an owl sitting on the autoclave and I'm like, Oh hell no. And I turn around and I walked in to the exam room that I had just left and I stayed there and I could hear my boss being like, 
oh, where's Michelle? She should not be here. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm good. I'm gone. I'm, I'm, like, I'm safe. Can't get in here. <laughs> my, my favorite bird incident at work was when somebody once brought in a Canada goose and they put oh. it in a box. And, oh. and the reason being it was on their lawn. <laughs> so I just had this I image. It was not there that day. <laughs> I just had this image of this person like wrestling this Canadian goose and putting it in a box. Like that must not have been an easy feat, but they brought it no. in. And we thought like by their description, we thought it was just a little gosling. <laughs> we like peek open the box and it was like a little velociraptor in there. Like, like shaking the box. Yeah, totally. It was hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. Just like, oh, 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 thank you. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take that. Yeah, we have I quite, lots of bird I, stories. Yeah, yeah, oh, lots of bird stories. I, I quite like when birds come into the clinic. It's quite entertaining. There's like five people in our clinic that are just mortified of birds, and I, I quite yeah. like them. <laughs> yeah, I like them outside. Like, I have four yeah. bird feeders in my yard, and I'm like, I can name all the different, like, little birds that are in my backyard. Like, I have a book because, you know, I yeah. need to know all the things. But get me in a building, man, and it's not okay. Yeah. Were you, were you working there when the guy showed up with the crow on his shoulder <laughs> and he tried to tell us that it was a raven and he had tamed it? I think I was working there, but I wasn't in the clinic at that time. And I'm so oh disappointed. He's like full on serious. Like this is a raven. And I'm like, I want to die. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Regardless, why is it on your shoulder? <laughs> why is it on your shoulder? Like, what did you, how? For Why? what purpose? <laughs> and he wasn't even like coming to the vet clinic about the bird. He yeah. had other questions. He just wanted to bring it with him to show how cool he was. Oh, that's fantastic. Man, it's goals. Terrible. Goals. It's not okay. <laughs> That'll be me one day. <laughs> you ever show up with a crow on your shoulder? Friends off. If our podcast just suddenly just stops, like no more posting, no message at all, is probably because I befriended a crow <laughs> and I started carrying it around. <laughs> became a crazy bird lady. Yeah. One day. Yeah. yeah. I hope not. Nah. <laughs> I'll leave them outside. Thanks. Oh, so please fantastic. tell us what your irrational fears are. I want to know. That's a fantastic question. I really I am looking forward to these answers. I, I want, yeah. I bet you they're good because, I mean, I have probably a few more like spiders, but who isn't afraid of spiders because they're gross? Me, actually. I'm not afraid of spiders. However, I did scream really loudly yesterday because of a spider. I bent down in my bathroom and when I came back up, a spider had like come down from the ceiling. No. And as I bent down, I got caught in my hair. So when I lifted my no. head back up, it came swinging into my face. <laughs> So that is, I definitely freaked out about that, but generally I'm not afraid of spiders. Huh. I mean, I like the fact that they eat other bugs and like, like they eat centipedes, so they're good in my book, but they're creepy, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Especially but. when they come flying at your face. Uh, yeah. Not okay. Mm -mm. Yeah. Or really big ones, you know. <laughs> I like the really big ones. The bigger, the better. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Not okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, please tell us. Irrational fears. We want to know. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, let us know what you thought about the episode. Tell us your opinions about Mr. Twitchell, if you care to. <laughs> you can email us at murderandmerlot at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at Murder and Merlot Podcast, Facebook at Murder and Merlot Podcast, and Twitter at Murder and Merlot One. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you can find podcasts. We would love if you subscribed, and if you don't, you're dead to me. And our next book announcement, of course, is Waco. Waco, guys, Waco, it's going to happen. It's coming. We promise. It's so good. Oh so my gosh. I'm just. Oh my God, I'm just way too involved with this story, but we're considering restructuring our show a little bit. Um, so we wanted to post this mini before we made any changes. So that's why it's delayed a little bit, but mm -hmm. next week, get ready. It's happening. Mm -hmm. And as always, you can find our current reads posted on our Facebook, Instagram, and our website, murder and Merlot at podbead.com. So remember to drink wine because it's not good to keep things bottled up. Bye. Bye.